Well, welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Shauna David, and this is our latest look at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League. Coming up in this week's episode, United beat the big freeze to go back top of the league. The Seagulls are left in a flap as City hit seven. Durham take the sting out of the bees to go joint top of the championship and we'll have all the latest transfer moves and rumours for you from the women's game. Well, joining me this week to look back at the action, I'm delighted to say we have freelance journalist and Crawley Wasps media man, it's Andrew Rabin. Hi, Shannon, welcome back. We have the wonderful Emily Lyles joining us once again. Hi, Emily. Hi, Shawned. And our special guest this week is London City Lionesses and Republic of Ireland International, Hayley Nolan. Hayley, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Well, guys, um, a lot of games kind of fell by the wayside this weekend due to the cold weather, which has spread and covered most of the country. Just six games took place across the two divisions over the weekend. But as per usual, there's always plenty to talk about on the pod. Um, so, guys, we'll start off with Manchester United. They went top of the WSL after a dominant 2-0 win over Birmingham City. Um, it took 40 seconds into the second half for Galton to put United ahead as she met James's cross at the far post. Ella Toon then sealed the win with 10 minutes left as her low strike from the right went in off the far post. Emily, I'll come to you first. It was probably just the response that Casey Stoney was looking for, wasn't it, from her side, especially after the defeat to Chelsea last week, which they were so disappointed with. Yeah, 100%. And I think in that respect, it's probably a bigger win than most people would give them credit for because it is a test. It's never an easy game against Birmingham. And I think there is that additional pressure given that they were on the end of the wrong side of the result at Chelsea last week. It was a big game. Perhaps had they got something from that, people might have been starting to talk about them slightly differently and expectations could have risen. But then ultimately, you're going into a home game that you're expected to win. How many times do we see teams not do that? So yeah, they certainly deserve a lot of credit and it was a very sort of composed and professional performance from them. Mm. And Andrew, 23 shots on goal for Man United compared to just one um, from Birmingham City. It just showed what a dominant display United put in, doesn't it? And that it just wasn't a good day at the office for Birmingham. No, and of course, it's always going to be a challenge up against uh, this current Manchester United side. Um yeah, fully in control. Um, probably could have uh, scored a couple of more goals, um, but as Emily says, they'll be very pleased with you know with 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 that victory. Um, it's not uh, you know they're not an easy side to overcome. Birmingham, they're they're, they're stubborn at times when they want to be, and uh, yeah, no, so a, a good way to bounce back. And I think that league table, although Chelsea obviously have a couple of games in hand, um, that league table always looks a little bit better when you've got the points on the board. I think that's. Uh, you know, that's always what teams look for. The, having two games in hand looks nice from a distance, but getting the points on the board is the main thing. Hayley, looking at the top of the women's Super League table, it's so tight at the moment. It's so competitive. In terms of Manchester United, can you see them going all the way? Where, where, where do you see things finishing at the end of the season? Um, I think it's really hard to see that, you know, I think the WSL has been very competitive, like you said, you know, each team has gotten so many 
like different transfers in and, and they've boosted their squads. You know, they're very competitive teams. And Manchester United have been great this year. You know, I've loved watching them. I have I, any games that are on, I try to watch them just because they're exciting to watch. You know, they create so many chances like they did against Burnham City. Um, but it'd be great to see a different winner, I think, this year. You know, usually it's the the Chelsea's, the Man City's, um, the Arsenal's, but it's nice to see someone different kind of come into the mix. Definitely, I completely agree with you there, Hayley. Um, Emily, I'll just come to you to touch on, on Birmingham. They remain eighth in the table with 11 points um, from their last 10 matches. Would you say it was the game was a bit of a free hit for them, really? You know, where do you assess Birmingham, Birmingham in terms of their season so far? Where do you see things going for them between now and the end of the season? Yeah, I think it's really difficult because I guess their situation in terms of the resources that they have at their disposal is quite well documented. So I think fans of the game and people within the game are aware that they just don't have the level of support generally that a lot of clubs do. So I think when you look at it in that respect, um, a lot of upheaval at the club in recent years, certainly in recent times, they do pretty well. And, and as you say, that game probably was a free hit. Um, I know no one ever goes into a game expecting to lose, but I think, you know, you look at the form table, you look at the fact, as we touched on, that United, you know, would have needed or did need to win that game and, and are off the back of a defeat that, you know, ultimately I think they probably aren't going to be too disappointed because there's probably an acceptance of where those two clubs and where those two teams are. So look, I think all in all, they're doing pretty well. Look, they don't look at any risk of going down. Um, I guess they could probably target finishing a little bit higher, sort of mid-table or maybe slightly higher. And, and all in all, I think that's probably a pretty good season for them. Okay, guys, well, turn our focus to Manchester City. Now, they leapfrogged Arsenal into third position after a dominant display down on the south coast. They beat Brighton by seven goals to one. Brighton had been the only team to stop City from scoring this season, but that was put to bed after 12 minutes when Caroline Weir opened the scoring. Weir added a fine second moments later before Steph Hooten bundled in a third. Ellen White converted Chloe Kelly's cross before Hooten, who became the first player, I will add, to make 150 WSL appearances. She fired in a free kick. Rihanna Jarrett then pulled one back, but Kelly finished a flowing move and then set up Janine Becky to slot a seventh. Gareth Taylor's side, they've now racked up 29 goals in their past six league outings and 15 in their past two league games as they recovered from their midweek Continental Cup to beat to Chelsea. City also broke a WSL record this weekend by putting together the most successful passes in one match Alex Greenwood completed 158 of those so yeah Man City they were not messing about this weekend um Hayley you know a, a fantastic display um from Man City and do you feel obviously I've touched on on the top four already but do you feel Man United and Chelsea will be looking over their shoulders a bit now won't you after that display Oh, I think for sure. I think the quality that Man City have is evident, you know, whenever you watch them play, they're, they're a great side. And I think they had a point to prove when they went to Brighton this weekend, you know, Brighton held them to a, a goalless draw when they saw each other uh, last in the first half of the season. So they need to go out there and, and prove a point that, you know, they're still in the running to be champions this year. And they showed that with seven goals. Mm. And Andrew City, they were helped by some I think pretty terrible defending from Brighton, weren't they? No disrespect to Brighton whatsoever, but they, it, it made things much easier for Man City. To a degree, yeah, but I think uh, you've got to give Manchester City and particularly Chloe Kelly with, uh, I think, what was it three, uh, three assists and a goal 
uh you know you got to give her enormous credit steph horton's free kick was uh was delight and yeah i think once you start leaking goals against a very good side um you know i mean aston villa found that um the previous week so it's very difficult to to to, to lift your uh, lift your head up so uh yeah 14 goals um in the league in the last two games um they're starting to hit form at the right time i think that's the that that's the that, that that's the danger for the other teams is that uh you know they're they're um, perhaps rather like the men's team as well they're starting to hit their stride at the right point in the season you just stole my point from me Andrew. i was just about to say that like uh, guardiola's team it feels like they're just gaining momentum at the perfect time and emily in terms of brighton's point of view do you think they'll be getting a bit twitchy, a bit nervous now? You know, they've got nine points on the board, just two points above West Ham and Aston Villa, who are 10th and 11th. Where do you see Brighton sort of finishing? What do you think their mentality will be? It's interesting you say that, because obviously we've just been speaking about Birmingham and you'd probably sort of compare the two in slightly similar positions. Um, But with Brighton, I think there probably is a little bit more expectation there. As you say, the other side of it is they have played a couple of games more than clubs around them, which means, you know, which obviously means their points tally isn't probably quite as it appears. So with them, I think if you look at the players they have at their disposal and the setup there, and I guess probably the expectation at the club overall in terms of investment, what they want to achieve. I'm reluctant to say they're underachieving because I think it's such a competitive league and you only have to look, you know, from sort of the top down to sort of seventh and and you've got big, big clubs there. And then, you know, the likes of Villa, West Ham are also investing, but it, it is probably at a point now where they need to start picking up results just to ensure, first of all, as you say, that they don't drop down the table, but also just to ensure that they finish strongly, because I think the worst thing to happen for any team is to not finish the season strongly, because more often than not, you see that that can then sort of trickle over into the next campaign as well. So, yeah, I think it's probably fair to say they're in a a tricky situation and, and it's quite hard to put your finger on why that is. Yeah, I think uh, Emily is absolutely spot on. They've obviously only won a couple of games in the league this season. Uh, one of those came at West Ham, um, which is their last one, I think, back in November. Um, that is going to look like an even better result now um, in the in in the circumstances. Um, I think Emily's right into as well in terms of the expectation at, at Brighton. Obviously, only relatively new to this level of football in the last couple of years, um, but you know they are you know rather like Tottenham, they are looking at breaking into that mid-table kind of uh, position that has been sort of solidified by the likes of Everton and Reading, who are a bit more sort of long-standing, sort of more doughty WSL campaigners. Uh, It's tough. It is tough. And there are leagues within leagues within the WSL, despite there only being 12 teams. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, Spurs and Birmingham are pointing more in the the way forward than, than, than Brighton are at the minute. And Andrew Brighton's next game at the end of January is against Bristol. That'll be a game that, you know, they'll they'll have to have three points from there if they are to, you know, maintain that sort of mid-table position. Yes, certainly for a mid-table position. I think, you know, you talked about are they looking over their shoulder and certainly no team wants to finish, you know, 10th or 11th. The sad thing is for Bristol City, of course, that you would imagine that Bristol City have that uh, bottom spot almost nailed down at the minute, although we'll wait and see what... Uh, what Matt Beard does, but 
you know, I think they don't want to, I mean, nine points may not be enough to keep them in the division. So they will want to pick up points from elsewhere. Um, but certainly not losing that game against Bristol City becomes absolutely uh, critical for them now. Well, guys, uh, on Saturday, Aston Villa scored an injury time equaliser to draw two all with Reading. The star of the show was Villa's new signing, Japanese international Mana Iwabuchi. She cancelled out Inhara James's opener with a side-footed finish from Natalie Haig, uh, from a Natalie Haig free kick. It looked like it might have been in vain after Rachel Rowe put Reading back in front, um, but then the sac- second half, which was pretty much played in a full-on blizzard, uh, there she was, Iwabuchi again, to set up Diana Silva in the 91st minute to get the equaliser. Uh, Hayley, you know, what a debut for, for Iwabuchi. You know, we've talked about... Um, a lot of clubs have made a lot of signings. They've been busy this January and gosh, a goal and an assist. It was the, the perfect debut for her. Oh yeah, definitely. And fair play to her for doing that on her debut. You know, it's difficult to jump into the WSL and to kind of be at your best. And she just showed why Aston Villa went out there and, you know, brought her into the squad. They, they, they needed someone to finish goals to help the, the team to move up in the league. And I think that she showed that on Saturday. Andrew, would you say it's the sort of, she's the quality that Aston Villa need to climb up the table? Would you say that? Absolutely, I would. And I agree with Hayley. I think that's, there's a lot of teams like it, um, but there are teams that need, and Villa are one, who need that finishing touch. Um, Now, she obviously adds creativity as well, as we saw, uh, but she... That game, I think Villa, not without Iwabuchi necessarily, but certainly Villa of a couple of months ago would have lost that game. The reason they didn't is because Iwabuchi reacted, you know, quickest and with her quality to turn in the free kick. And also because she was, you know, she she's fresh, new, not necessarily weighed down with the, the, the sort of the string of, you know, losses or whatever, and was determined to the very end and uh, set up the the, the, the equalising goal right at the end. I also think as well, I've talked about Grace Maloney before, the Reading goalkeeper, but I think uh, uh, Vice in the Villa goal made a very important double save um, in that game, which, which, which helped as well. Villa are going to need a little bit more of that kind of, uh, you know, that resilience and the quality that Iwabuchi showed going forward. And it's very interesting that as we record this, that they've uh, opted to, to, to bring in some more experience as well into the management group, uh, which is, of course is Marcus, Marcus Bignot, who has been involved in uh, women's football in the past with Birmingham City. Funnily enough, there's uh, not the first uh, Birmingham City related person to become a manager of an Aston Villa team, but that's another matter. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't mention Alex McLeish and Steve Bruce on this uh, on this podcast. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, and it's interesting that they've chosen to, to 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 confirm it now. Gemma Davis staying on as sort of first team head coach. Um, I imagine that Marcus will um, sort of just just give her a little bit of support there. And I imagine the reason it's been done now is because, of course, uh, he is joint manager of Geisley in National League North in the men's game. And their uh, their season has been suspended for a couple of weeks. So he's got a little bit of time to uh, to help out. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a busy couple of days at Aston Villa. Emily, what are your thoughts on, on you know, the appointment of Margus Bignot? You know, Gemma Davis will stay on as head coach, but a bit of assistance for her. Where do you st- where, what are your opinions on it? Uh, I have to say, I was surprised when I saw the news, just, I guess, the timing of it. But then Andrew's, you know, helped to potentially clear some of that up there with what he's just said, because it makes sense in terms of Marcus's own schedule. Um, 
I think it will be interesting and, and perhaps we would never know this just to know how that dynamic works because you've obviously got someone that's been in post and, and a coaching team and setup that's been in post throughout the season and then for someone to come in it'll be interesting to know whether it is more on a guidance side of things or quite influential on the grass that said I think you only have to look at his record not just in football but in the women's game he did exceptionally well at Birmingham City and he's highly respected I know the likes of Karen Carney speak very, very highly of him and a lot of the top, top women's players cite him as someone that's had a massive impact on their career. So look, I think it's it's a good appointment and, you know, hopefully from Villa's side of things that it will just help them build on that result that they had at the weekend. Guys, we'll touch on Reading. Yes, another draw for them. We've touched on them um, on this pod this season. You know, I personally think they've got one of the most experienced squads in the league in terms of age in terms of international players that they have Hayley do you think they'll be frustrated their classic mid-table team they can never seem to sort of just break through and move up to the next level can they no I, I think they'd definitely be a little bit frustrated with that result especially from last week when they had that draw with Arsenal you know they performed extremely well um, and they competed with a, a top class team you know in Arsenal um, I think they'll be obviously a little bit frustrated with the with the with the draw because Aston Villa, you know, you're going there to get three points. That's what you're set out to do, and that's what they should have done. And obviously, they're going to be disappointed. But um, you know, they like you said, they've so much experience. You know, some of the players they have there are quality players, and I know that they'll want to be pushing on. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll be able to break through in those top four, top five kind of spots. But um, you know, you never know. Football, football's a little funny game, so you never know what's going to happen. Hayley, have kind of uh, Everton stolen their thunder a little bit? Do you think Everton have made more progress than Reading have? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think Everton have. You know, even with the signing of Jill Scott, you know, with that loan signing, I think that's another great signing for them. I think that's going to push them on. You know, she's got a wealth of experience there. But I I think they've definitely stole their thunder. Reading, I think they need to sign maybe a few more players, maybe some younger players, you know, to mix in with that experience. You know, they can learn a lot from those players. Um, But definitely Everton have kind of overridden them I think well guys that's all of the WSL roundup and coming up next we'll review all the action from the championship (sighs) so let's talk about you actually let's talk about me just for a bit because I was like you in 40 odd years I hadn't done much exercise but I knew I had to start so I got the couch to 5k app from not being able to run for more than a minute nine weeks later I was running for half an hour It's simple, it's free, and it's all planned out. With a little support, it's amazing what your body can do. Join thousands of monthly users. Download the free One U Couch to 5K app now, because there's only one you. And in the Championship, again, more disruption across the league. Leicester City's game against Crystal Palace was called off very, very late on due to a frozen pitch, which gave Durham the chance to draw level on points with them. Durham secured the three points thanks to a goal from Bridget Galloway on 56 minutes, and they still remain unbeaten in the league. Andrew, a a big day for Durham to take advantage, wasn't it? Especially with Leicester not playing in the end. Yeah, again, as I said earlier in the, the the chat about the top of the WSL, when you've got the chance to to get points on the board, uh, do it. You know, I think whatever the situation is, um, you know, it's it's an extra game now that, that Leicester have to know now go and try and win. Um, whenever it's played, uh, there might be a little bit of fixture congestion. I know with you know obviously only the leagues are smaller than in the men's game, but there you know so there might be space to play it 
um, without too much fixture congestion. But it's just going to ramp up the pressure on Leicester a little bit. Um, and Durham, as we've mentioned before, Durham are always there or thereabouts in the championship, have been over the last two or three years. So, you know, for them to lay down that marker, a, you know, a difficult game for them to, to, to kind of get done. Like Haley said about the, the, the you know, going to, to, to Villa and trying to get three points, you know, they'd have fancied themselves at home to London Bees, but it took them just a little, uh, a little bit of hard work to, 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 to get the points, but they've done so and they'll, they'll be delighted with it. I just mentioned Leicester and Durham, for anyone not aware, both equal on points, 32 uh, points on the board in the championship. Hayley, that 4G pitch that Durham have, it seems to be a bit of an advantage for them this season. It seems to be at, a, an, at the 12th man, if you like. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, we played Durham early on in the season and, you know, it's, it's a fortress over there. You know, they're a great team. They're competitive. They're hardworking. They're hard to break down. I think they it's a team unity there. You know, they're all fighting for each other. They're all giving 110%. And obviously the, the 4G pitch helps them a little bit. You know, they haven't lost a game this season, so it's exciting for them. Um, I'm excited to see what happens, you know, in the future, because obviously they're so they're tied up with Leicester. It's, it's quite close up there. It's a competitive league, so um, it'll be exciting to see what happens with Durham. Yeah, we've said time and time again how much we're all loving the championship this season just because of the just how competitive it is. It's a, it's a great advert for the league and for the women's game in general in this country. Um, Sheffield United, they remain seven points adrift, but they secured a 2-0 win at Lewis thanks to two goals from the highly rated Katie Wilkinson. And flying up from nowhere, our London City Lionesses, they moved up to fifth after two goals from Liz Jupi and one Atlanta Prima secured a 3-0 win over Blackburn, which means they climb above their opponents. And Lewis, Haley, a fantastic win. What, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, yeah, no, it was a great result for us. You know, we've been playing some great football. I know we have a, we have an identity and um, it's great to kind of see that kind of come out to play in our, in our games. You know, we've been disappointed, obviously the last two games against um, Palace and London Bees to just draw zero, zero. You know, we had the majority of the possession, we created a lot of chances, you know, we were enjoying our football, but the ball would not go in the back of the net, you know? Um, but then yesterday we bagged three, you know, so football's funny that way it can happen. Um, but we were delighted with the win on anyway. And it's fair to say you've really picked up the pace after a relatively slow start to the season. You saw a change in management. You know, what have the past couple of months been like? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think there was a turn for sure when we beat Leicester 4-1. I don't think that was expected. And we went out there and we just proved to everybody that we're a great team. You know, we just needed to show that on a more consistent basis. And I think from that game, we really turned a corner. You know, there's a sense of unity within our team now. There's a sense of um, competitiveness and belief. And we go out there every game thinking that we can get three points. And I, I think it shows in the way that we're playing. Yeah, it definitely does. You get the feeling just from watching that it's a very progressive club, isn't it? You've got a lot of ambition there. Oh yeah, for sure. There's loads of ambition. The coaches, the, you know, the owners, everybody who's involved, you know, we all want to get this club to where we want it to be, which is in, in the WSL, which is fighting for the championship here. You know, um, obviously we started off a little bit slow this year, which we were a bit disappointed about, but you know, we picked up the pace now and we're going to see where we can end up at the end of the season. And Hayley, it's funny, isn't it? That how sort of momentum works in football, because after those three goalless draws, um, you suddenly, you know, you win this in four matches. You haven't scored in those four games. And now you, you, you know, you win a game and suddenly you're unbeaten in four. Yeah. And, yeah, and, 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 and it can look at, it can look a completely different picture. 
oh yeah, the narrative changes completely, which is um, crazy. But we actually speak a lot about momentum in our club, you know, and I think it's important that when you have that to hold on to it, you know, to really push for the next games and to see if you can kind of continue that momentum on to get more goals. We'll be excited to play Charlton on Thursday. You know, we can't wait. It's only three days away, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens then, but hopefully we'll bag more than three goals. And what's the, the the sort of the longer term ambition over the next, uh, you know, sort of obviously this season, the, the, you know, those top places are are just a little bit out of your reach. But, you, you know, you want to be up where Durham and Leicester are in the in the longer term, don't you? Oh, yes, for sure. I think that was our ambition this year and it's going to be our ambition next year again. I think that you can see that we can we can compete with the likes of Leicester's and the Durham's. You know, we beat Leicester. We narrowly lost to Durham one nothing the same with Liverpool a narrow loss one nothing again you know we can compete with them I think that will be our ambition for next year is to kind of push on to really focus and to be determined to get one of those spots and there are some quite sort of the the, the squad profile if you like is, is is quite a young one still isn't it but those players are learning all the time some of those younger players yeah absolutely we've got a very young squad very talented players you know no doubt they're this quite young, you know, and we need a little bit more experience, maybe, you know, but um, but the players that we have there have the ability to compete at the top level, you know. So we'll be excited to see what this extra year has given them under their belt to see where where they kind of show next year. And Haley, internationally, if we just turn our focus um to the international stage, it didn't quite end as the Irish girls would have wanted at the end. It looked like that you might secure a playoff, but unfortunately. You ran into Germany, didn't you? Yeah, no, obviously. That was an extremely disappointing time for us. Um, I think we showed throughout the qualification rounds how good we were. Um, we were we were so close to qualifying for those playoff spots. And obviously, you know, fortunes didn't go our way. And, and that's football again, you know. And obviously we're disappointed, but we know we have the squad there. Again, we're, we, we have quite a young squad. And loads of tremendous talent there. I think that we'll be pushing on to kind of qualify for the World Cup. Amazing, Haley. Well, best of luck with everything. And yeah, really excited to see to see how the rest of the season goes and next season as well. But stay with us because we're going to be talking about transfers. Now, the transfer window is going to shut over the next weekend and there's been a lot of movements, some interesting signings already. A lot have mainly been loans in the WSL. Uh, the biggest transfer is probably Abby Dalkemper, the American international. She's just joined Man City on a two and a half year deal from North Carolina Courage for an undisclosed fee. Leicester, they're looking to boost their title hopes by signing Charlotte Fleming on loan from Chelsea. Abby McManus has signed for Spurs on loan from Man United. Man United, they've also boosted their squad by paying an undisclosed fee for Norwegian international Maria Thoris-Dotti from Chelsea. Now, we've mentioned Jill Scott going to Everton on loan um, from Manchester City as well. That's a big, big move in the WSL. Emily, I'll come to you. We've touched on Jill Scott briefly, but we'll, uh, you know, it's, it's a massive topic. We can, we can keep on talking about it. It just shows not only the strength and depth that City have, um, but also it shows how Everton you know just how much they've progressed and that and they're attracting a big household name like Jill Scott to the club definitely and I think it's it's a really nice story as well and I appreciate that that's not the reason that it's happened it's something that benefits all parties um, she obviously get she's going to a good club she's going to get game time both clubs will benefit from that but ultimately the fact that she was there in the early part of her career there's some great stories of 
when she started out, she was still living in the Northeast, would travel twice a week to train at Everton and then would be there Tuesday, Thursday night and stop off at service stations and go to work at eight o'clock the next morning where she'd coach up in up in Sunderland. So, yeah, I think it's just a fantastic story. And as you say, it's a great, great signing for Everton. And, and you look at the squad that they've got there and, and you would certainly say now, Appreciate they're probably still a few players off competing with the real top teams, but it's it's pretty good, isn't it, on paper? And Hayley, obviously you played out in America, you came back to England, you're out in America for five years. Abby Dalkemper, you know, she's come from America over to England. Can you tell us a bit, you know, I guess you can give us great insights about the movement and what it's like and, you know, your time out there, how much did you enjoy it? Oh, I absolutely love my time there. The five years, I think, were the best moments of my life so far. I think from a football side, you know, it was um, a very professional setup when I went over there. So it was great to kind of have that those opportunities for five years. Um, but what a sign that is for Man City. You know, I've been a great fan of hers for a while. You know, I think she's got a tremendous amount of um, experience again, you know, and I think Man City signing her kind of, I think anyway, for Arsenal and the, the Chelsea's and the Man United's are looking over their shoulder going, well, what a great sign that is, you know, because I think you know, they needed to boost her, their, their defensive line, I think a little bit. And I think that she kind of comes in there and I think that she'll do a great job when she gets her, her debut. And Andrew, interesting signing as well for Man United, signing Thoris Dotti, which it shows they really mean business, especially when they're buying players off Chelsea. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a good signing for them, and uh, obviously an, an intention of 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 who they want, the sort of player they want to try and try and bring in. Um, you know, she brings a lot of quality and has obviously uh, done well. Um, you know, I think those there's always that kind of question with with some signings in the WSL is you know are they intended for um now are they intended for you know the wsl campaign are they intended for europe you know and that that you know they the, the, those sort of additions can be you know adding to a bit of experience a bit of um depth into the squad um to try and uh, mount you know a challenge for, for bigger things if you like in next season i think that is the trouble with the january window it can sometimes lead to short-termism um because you, you know you're trying to sort of sign um, players for the here and now to try and get yourself out of trouble or into contention or whatever, or it can be longer term planning. Sometimes January signings aren't necessarily uh, about the here and now. They can be about six months, nine months, 12 months time. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. For me, Jill Scott is canny. And I think that's, a, you know, a, a really good signing. I'm still going to go back to Iwabuchi though, as, as, as one of the best signings of the window, um, just purely for what Villa need, a signing, you know, quality player in that sort of, part of the division um you know so it will really it, you know it will really improve things and I think sometimes one player can make a difference you've seen that in with Manchester United men's with Bruno Fernandes it's not that the rest of the team are you know aren't any good it's that sometimes one player is all you need just to kind of knit into that midfield and attacking area just to make a difference and I think um you know sometimes it could be an experienced player at the back for example you know you might have defenders who are, who are good enough but they just need that organiser, that communicator or whatever. So sometimes one one signing can make a difference. And I think for Iribucci, that will make a difference to Villa. Well, guys, finally, we touched on it briefly last week about who would lead Team GB this summer. Um, we mentioned Casey Stoney, but she has since then that she has no intention of leading the team. Emily, I'll, I'll come to you first. You know, what are your thoughts on it? Who do you 
think could be the right the right person um you know it's a bit well in terms of scotland wales and england all without managers at the moment nobody quite knows you know who's coming in who's going so it's um yeah a bit of a, a lot of movements going on in in terms of managerial positions in the uk right now no definitely and i think just generally the kind of the situation in the world makes that difficult as well because i think people realistically don't know where any of us are going to be or where uh, the status of seasons are going to be in a few months time and that kind of thing and I was interested to see Casey Stoney ruled herself out um, I think it's 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 fair and understandable um, obviously she she knows what her own aims and aspirations are and I think you know when you manage a football club of that size and, and the pressure that comes with that um, she knows what a commitment she has there in terms of who else is in contention that's a really really good question I think it, it would be interesting to see if perhaps you know, one of the coaches, stroke managers from one of the other home unions might be in with a shout now, you know, perhaps a Shelley Kerr or a Jane Ludlow. But I'd, it's really difficult to say. I mean, it was interesting when we were chatting about it last week with with Liv, I think it was made the point around could one of the domestic managers, i.e. Casey Stoney or an Emma Hayes, be in contention. The fact that Casey Stoney has quite openly ruled herself out is interesting, but others haven't so again I don't know whether an Emma Hayes might take on that kind of mantle and perhaps where she is with her own career it's it's a great opportunity isn't it and I think you know she's vastly experienced and and she probably feels that she could you know handle both commitments there but yeah it's it's, it's really interesting and, and I certainly don't envy um the organizations that have to try and sort sort that out because it's not a straightforward is it at all yeah, and it is a completely different, as you say, Emily, a different uh, situation in the world at the minute. And, uh, you know, does Emma want to travel out and, and, and you know, all the attendant risks and everything else? And, of course, the games aren't themselves aren't confirmed at the minute. And the other factor, of course, is that she's never always seen eye to eye with uh, those in charge at the, the Football Association in the first instance. Um, and they've got the, I think they'll have the overall pick, won't they, Emily? Is that right? It's interesting you say that, Andrew. I'm not entirely sure. I know, um, I would imagine, and I'm not sure about this, that it would be in conjunction with the other associations, etc. but I'm not entirely sure. But I think, yes, they would. They seem to be leading on it from everything mm. that's sort of being communicated. And I think that's that's going to be an interesting one. I think I think you know to be fair, I think Shelley Kerr with her you know experience and and, and sort of respecting the game, um, irrespective of whatever's gone on recently, I think it, it it can almost be that, and it's what needs to be taken seriously. It's a chance to to do well in the competition, of course, um, a chance for a medal indeed. But at the same time, it can be a little bit of a, a sort of a recognition type appointment as well to sort of say actually this is an honour for you to 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 do, to do this in recognition of everything that you've achieved and, and, and Shelley and Jane are certainly uh, in that category. You've both made really good points in terms of the disruption um, with the pandemic and how that makes decisions really, really difficult. Hayley, obviously being a player yourself, you've played international games during this time, you know, what's it been like just in terms of trying to get things organised, knowing, you know, where you're going to be every week and everything. I can imagine it's been, it's been stressful at times, but teams seem to be, you know, coping quite well with it all. Oh yeah, definitely. I think teams are coping as best as they can. I think, yeah, with the international games when we were continuing to play, um, I think at first I wasn't sure if the games were going to continue on just because of everything that was occurring in the world, you know, but they did. And I think it was extremely difficult to kind of organize 
um, flights, where you're staying, um, how to stay like two meters apart, you know, all the rules are different in each country, you know, and we were flying, I think we usually have our camps in Ireland, but we were flying and having camps in Germany instead, you know, and it was a lot to kind of organize with a lot of different players who are all across the globe to kind of fly during a global pandemic, you know, it was difficult, but, you know, I think the fair play to the federations for being able to kind of control that and to kind of get it done. And then from a, a club perspective, um, you know, with the championship and everything else and still having to, 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 to travel up and down the country, you know, presumably when it all first, you know, all first this season was organised, you know, and, and confirmed, um, you know, there, there have to be a lot of meetings. I know you weren't at London City Lionesses last season, but there have to be a lot of, you know, sort of group meetings and, and, and players all have to feel confidence in the system, don't they? Oh, yeah, I think there has to be um, a lot of confidence in the system. You know, obviously, you know, we're if you're living with your family, for instance, you're going to be a little bit skeptical about meeting a group of people in a meeting space, you know. But a lot of teams now, even my team, we do a lot of Zoom meetings as well. We, we do a bit of a mix between in person in, in a big space or whether that's a Zoom call instead, you know, um, I think it, we kind of take on the the cautions of our players and see what they're kind of feeling and if they want to have a zoom call we might do a zoom call if, if we're if we're feeling a little bit more we can go outside and, and have meetings outside too you know you have to kind of adapt to what's going on that seems like a really good place to finish it well Haley, thank you so so much for your time it's been really really interesting having you on and having all your insight um into everything so thank you we really appreciate your time thank you for having me on i've enjoyed it and also thanks to, as usual, Andrew and Emily for all their insight and analysis of all the games. And thank you to our wonderful listeners for listening. And please don't forget to subscribe to us via all the podcasting platforms. And also give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1. And we're also on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Well, that's all from myself and the team. Look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon. Thank you.